your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, as I mentioned, the actor and uh, comedian, John Kenny, is with me in the studio. How are you? Chancellor, Chancellor Joe, Chancellor, Chancellor. That's a very official title there. Um, I'm not sure if any of them are correct anyway, but so I'm good. I'm mighty. You're in good um, form. Um, I'm good form. I spent the last uh, few days up in Belfast, up in the north of Ireland, uh, performing. Oh, yeah? Go on, yeah, tell yeah. me, yeah. It was good, actually. I was amazed at the amount of um, gammon steaks with pineapples that are still in the go, though, you know? It's, uh, yeah. The menu is slightly different. <laughs> Really? <laughs> so it's like, yeah, some of the places, like 70s, like as regards the the grub, you know, in some places. It's interesting. Just, yeah. It was just like that. Reminded me of the old days when I was back in the band, like stopping at Dick's and Dirty Dick's or someplace. And, you know, the 70s. Would you know very many people who would ever go north, even today? Oh, God, shoot. There's an awful lot of people, yeah, traveling, yeah. I mean, you do really notice it because uh, I suppose Belfast is so accessible now, you know. Um, you've the motorway the whole way so you can drive from you can go from Limerick to Belfast without seeing a traffic light I know it's amazing and, uh, isn't it so it's great like I mean I was going to stay over on a Saturday, Sunday night and I just drove home you know yeah um, but well, uh, well, yeah no you get a lot of people both ways now travelling you know I mean I mean, the north is beautiful like it's a beautiful country like I mean when you go up there by the mountains of Morden and all that side of the country you're on the coast and then you swing in up to Belfast, and then on the other side, you've Enniskillen, is amazing countryside and all that, and mm, right up to the north, lovely, northern it? Derry and stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah. So all, all nice super. stuff, you know. All good. Um, Gillian here was just complimenting you for your performance in The Crow Man. Yes. And um, yeah, right. she said she won the few things she'd go back and see again, and you were brilliant in it. Good, yeah, yeah. I'm good, yeah. I got. I, look, it was a lovely piece to do, and um, it was great. Uh, it's done, it's probably for the moment anyway, and I'm working on a new piece now called The Brothers. And uh, she's a, a writer based in London, Irish writer. And uh, we're on the second draft of that. So it's taken a bit longer than we thought. Like, But I think probably another two, you know, in a while, maybe next year it'll be ready to go, you know. And that's a solo piece as well. It's hard to come by kind of uh, solo pieces, you know what I mean, that you can do on your own. You know, there's plenty of plays out there where you have loads of people in them, you know. But um, touring... It's just, it's, there's no one really touring now unless you're granted and funded and it just costs so much, you know. So to stay going, you have to kind of do these things, you know. It's the kind of, it's Has the pressure of performing on your own on stage ever bothered you? It does from time to time. It hits you all right. Like you kind of get, there's sometimes, I, I remember felt this year coming back, it was the first time I came back to do a week or two weeks I was away and in the middle of the break then and I just, the first time in my life I felt you know, I don't really want to be doing this. That's an awful thing to say. But then again, through one thing and another, I suppose I'm at it all my life, you know. And I've I never said that about going on to do a gig before, whether it was with a band or music or comedy or doing theatre, that I just really felt like, God, I wish I didn't have to do this, you know. But I had that feeling. But once I did it, then it was gone. Mm. So I think I'm a bit more conscious of it now because uh, the old body has slowed down a small bit like... Um, you know, I'm in my sixties, like I'm in my mid sixties now. So yeah, you're, um, you're looking well in it now. Well, I'm, <laughs> I don't know whether I'm no. feeling it or not. Yeah. Is another thing, but you do kind of get it. It is like that. It's I know that Mary McAvoy, who I worked with on and off with the TD and Matchmaker for years, Mary has kind of retired from the road pretty much as well. You know that like she'll do some, but she doesn't want to be. It's you know, it's probably. 
it's it, there's nothing glamorous about it. Like you're sitting in your car, you're driving to gigs, you wait around, you go on, you do your show, you come off, you stay in a hotel, you drive home, you move on to the next one. Do you know? It's a uh, it's work. It's work. It is work. Yeah, yeah. And it becomes. I think as you get older, it it becomes more of a more of a job. You know. <laughs> so, and have you found over the years that you know is doing comedy on your own easier than maybe some of these more serious one man shows? You've no, done? no, no, no. I think comedies for me. It, you, for me, you take comedy as a very personal thing because although it's only comedy, it's your own material that you're doing. And if people don't like it, it's, a, it's something that you take very personal. Whereas if you do a play, a lot of plays, now it's different when you, if you're writing your own stuff, but most times you are performing someone else's piece of work, whether it's Dylan Thomas or Catherine Holly or Breach in whoever, or John B. Keane or whoever, whatever writer you're doing, you know. So if... if if that's not working to some extent, you're somewhat detached from it. Mm. Whereas the, there's a kind of, there's a huge amount of your own being and person in your material as a comedian, even if it's any comedy you're doing. And it can be awful soul destroying when people just, you suddenly realise this thing is dying on its backside. You know, it's you that's dying on your backside, you know? And you, how many times have I sat in the car? I don't know, have you ever done it? You know, have you gone to something where people say, look, we t- totally want you to do this, Joe. Will you present this for us? And you go along and you say, why in the name of God did I say I do that? I've done that. How many times have I done that in my life? Driven home from something and said, why did I say I do that? I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. So, yeah, it goes on with comedy. But, but what... I, I presume you find as well, John, that yeah. people think it doesn't knock a feather out of you because you've been doing it your whole life. They oh, don't yeah. get the fact that you'd feel that way driving home. Yeah, well, I think most performers, I think anyone that I'm performing, presenting a radio programme, in a way you're performing, you present something, you know, that like, you you are sensitive. Like, there's no doubt about it, people who get involved in any form of media, like, the, there's a sense, because they care about things. And I think you are vulnerable then once you care about something, you know. And mm. uh, I know people often think like, well, you're only acting to Egypt, but it's you're kind of expressing yourself or you think you're expressing yourself. You always feel you're something the same, maybe, whether it's dis- disguised in laughter or whatever, you know. So there is a lot of vulnerability uh, within performers, I think. Yeah. And, uh, I, and I wonder, I mean, we're chatting to John Kenny this morning. The farther away you get from your serious illness, yeah, does it still mentally impact on you or or is it something that you've managed to park a bit in terms of your day-to-day life? Uh, I kind of don't, I don't, I don't dwell on it, you know, and I've had some repercussions which I don't even tell people about, you know, and um, I think I expose, I, I don't want to say expose myself, but then the wrong, <laughs> I was talking on a tel- t- TV programme there lately and I think it's due to come out and I did mention the fact that I had cancer again a few times but I never told to anyone, you know, and, but like, it's just something that I say, I'm aware that it's there. I'm aware that you can come back, but you can't be thinking about it. You just have to get on with it and just realize that you've been given the chance to get on with it. So just get on with it. Like, you know, and, uh, so yeah, I do that. I don't think about it. I doesn't even enter my head. I go for my checkups and, uh, they keep an eye on me bloods and stuff like that. Usual, like, it's like having a car service and yeah. you just get on and you do it. And, uh, yeah, and you try, you don't dwell on it, you don't think about it, it's, it's, 
it happens and thanks be to God you came out the other end of it, you know. I don't know if you saw the pictures last week of Gene Hackman on, I think was it his 91st or 92nd birthday or something right, like right. that and they were saying he's retired for 20 plus years, he's still cycling, he's, st- he's enjoying his life and yeah. clearly has left acting far behind. Good, yeah, I, can't, I wouldn't blame him. <laughs> I mean, I've, it's true, like, it's not that uh, you could stop, I could stop doing it now and not. You know, people who say that, like, there's a kind of a thing that, oh, you could never give it up, but this, this and this, that. It's work, as I say, like, really, if I did have, you know, I, there's a lot of gigs I wouldn't be rushing off to do. I have to still have to pay bills like Joe, you know. Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and you must enjoy it then, like, you can't see it as a chore. Because if you take any job as being... <gasps> Dreading it. Well, that, that doesn't do any anyone any good. Not, you know, there is a time when you just feel like, God, yeah, at my age now, sitting in and driving to Derry or Belfast or Sligo and to Galway next week. Now I'm off to whatever. Like, that's not too bad in Roscommon. And, and, and do you see the whole COVID time as having lost two years? Or? No, no, it was good, actually. It, I, it was a good time to stop. And because I wouldn't have stopped otherwise. We're, you see, we're animals. We don't, we have to be, something has to make us stop. And I think there was something that came out of COVID that was good for a lot of people is that realisation that they do have another life, you know, and that you kind of, it's really, once I have enough to get by on, that, I think that's what I took out of COVID, that I realised that, you know, once I, I have enough is enough and once I have enough to get by, I'm okay. I don't have to be killing myself out there, slogging week in, week out, like, because, uh, you know, you can survive without it and you're, better off probably mentally and physically if you're not doing that like so I, I got it out of it you know and so I started to do things I started to write stuff that I'd never written before and I'm kind of using them now in it, when I do the odd com- I don't do too much comedy gigs a comedy gigs I call it comedy I don't know what you call a comedy but and they're all based on writings that kind of started during COVID and basically they're like sort of stories memoirs of things that happened like and I'm using them now as part of my show it's something I never did. I take up I take up the readings and read them, like I'd read from a book, you know. Although it hasn't been published yet, but and I started writing poetry and stuff. So I'm using that on my show, just to make sure everyone is definitely bored. You know what I mean? That, that's just, but it's it's working because what I can do is you see the madness of the sketches and the ideas and the way you kind of exaggerate things to do a comp, and then the reality when you read it. So I'm mixing the reality or the the, the truth with the madness of what becomes the comedy sketch, you know? Now, so, John, can you have a great passion and why not for a fantastic place, Loch Gar. Yeah. And before we get to the project that you're involved in, yes. we were chatting just before you came on because we were covering it a few weeks ago, this amazing story of the engraving that was found by a photographer. Yes, yes. It is amazing, Joe, actually, <laughs> because it was found by a photographer. The thing was, like we often say, how many archaeologists have zoomed in and out of there and been working there and, you know, maybe for hundreds of years, obviously, and never and missed it. And this particular person found it, sees this and says, hey, this is interesting. What is it? And finding out that the piece of carving and stone that is there that he has found, and it's only a few a months ago, a couple of months ago, not even that, is actually older than the stone circle itself. It was there pre that. It predates it. And the stone circle is there 5,000 years and this piece of carving and this stone sits there, marking, obviously, a solstice or a sunset or sunrise pre the building of the stone circle. Amazing. So it is pretty amazing when you think it. Because I think you were saying to me that he kind of moved the undergrowth or something. I mean, imagine Basically, all those centuries where yes. this was sitting there. Just sitting there, yeah. 
But I think, you know, it's amazing people probably, when you go into the stone circle, you see that you're, 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 it can be overwhelming. It's beautiful. It's amazing when you stand in the middle of it and you suddenly realise the size and the whole, just how huge and massive a task it was to build this thing. That you can obviously, you could see why you'd be, your head might be other places, but it is fairly interesting when you think that people who were trained to find things didn't see this. And this guy who was a photographer just says, hey, look at this. This is interesting. And he starts taking photographs of it and then suddenly realises this is carving. You know, so that is interesting, yeah. I mean, there's a desperate smack of history off Lockgar, isn't there? Well, look, it, there is an amazing smack of it because of of all the times, I remember Lord of Mercy and Michael Quinlan used to always say, every stage in 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 the, in the development of humanity, Lockgar has something. There is something there belonging to each stage we went through in, in our development as human beings, you know. Hmm. And Lockgar has this amazing legacy of tangible things that belong to, you know, going back 5,000 years, you can actually go in, stand beside them, touch them, be part of them. And it's where, yeah, it is a pretty, it is pretty amazing. Oh, like there's it, an energy there. You know? I often say to people, you know, if, if by chance you haven't been, it is well worth the trip. Is it? Now, oh, what, yeah. what is this project? You're on Voices of the Lake. Voices and Sounds, yeah. Sounds, Voices. Uh, we, uh, Brian, who's out there, Colopy at the moment, he's a, uh, He's the new latest crew. Well, Brian is out there a while now, maybe a year or more. Crew member to Lockor as regards he's working out there and uh, with the Lockor development. And it's an idea to, we've sort of, to bring some performance back, make it more consistent because we, although there's performances going on in the Honey Fits and other things that like we just said, look, we, I think we just, we if if the thing was done on a more probably consistent, regular basis, like because it has been, you know, we've had a lot of shows out there, a lot of great performers performed there for us. And we said, look, you know, and the other thing was, we thought, you know, we've, we're full with history that documents our past and we've no, nothing that documents our present. So we said, how do we do it? And we said, well, sure, one of the ways we can document our present is through music and story, the human voice, whether that's storytelling, writers, poets, musicians, because they're documenting what, What's going on in Limerick today? What's going on in Ireland today? They're our voice, you know? So this is the idea that we starting a project that will probably run on for a few years because it'll be on a good few years to document what is happening now in the, starting in the year 2020 to say this is what was happening, coinciding with what has happened 5,000 years ago this is what's happening now and it's voices, sounds, whether you're a poet, a writer, a musician, that you come to Lockhart, you perform, we'd video it, it's going to be filmed and then that's going to build an archive of of the present day, of where we are and what our people, what our artists are saying. Housed in the centre? Yes. And hopefully the idea, it would probably go online, the people will be able to click into it and all of this will be filmed, captured and, and kept outside. It's a big project. Right, it sounds like a big project. I mean, <laughs> uh, would you go so far as to sort of have someone on one of the boats out in the middle of the lake performing? Well, or? I think that's a, a, we are not afraid to do that, that when we have time with artists that we hopefully will be able to showcase and do, we'll be filming each performance and with permission when they're happy, the artists, when they're happy with the sound and the production, that will go on and that will go up online and that will become part of the history of Lockhart, which it is. 
Because every time you walk in the gate of Lock yeah. or you're part of history, I'm part of history. Yeah. I, we're part of history this morning. The show has been recorded. It's the day at the time, the news. This is happening. So we are part of history, you know. So, Do, do you live in the Lockhart area now? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was closer to the lake before. I'm just a bit over the road now in Rock Barton, but the same neck of the woods, you know. And I moved there for that reason. Deliberately, you know, even before we were married, myself and Marge always loved Lockhart. Like we just loved being around the place, you know. And it was one of the places we said, geez, if we had a chance to get a place or live, we'd live there. And we did. It was like a dream come true, like so. Yeah. You know, it is a, it is great. And a great community in Lockhart, you know, a fabulous community. Oh, yeah. So, I, I yeah. just think it's a remarkable place. It really yeah. is. Um, so that's the project. It's a big project. So we're looking for artists and it's open to every genre of music. It doesn't have to be traditional. It can be jazz. It can be funk. It can be rap. It's your voice, what you're saying. And if you're, you're from, we would just want to document what's happening. And if you're a poet or a writer and you want to read a bit, we want to record it and we want to film it. It's a big task. It is a huge <laughs> task. So where would someone go then to contact? Well, go, go to, go to Lockhart and go contact Brian on, on, on email and just, you know, just let him know that you're interested and we'll get back in due course and we want people to know this is going to happen and we want it out there because we've, we're inviting people from all over the country. At the moment, we have a huge amount of people who've put their hands up and just said, yeah, I want to be part of this. Well, of course I want to be part of this, you know. Because Lockhart, in some way, Lockhart is known all over the Ireland. Like, it's known all over the world, really. And we don't realise how important it is, I suppose, really. Sometimes when we're sitting in the middle of something, you know, you can often kind of take it for granted. But it's a huge... What's in Lockhart is amazing, like, and we're so lucky to have it on our doorstep, you know. So... um. A busy run into Christmas for you? No, I'd be kind of... I, I'll have most of my work done beforehand, hopefully. So I'd be taking the old time off at Christmas and, Good. you know, eating yeah. and Enjoying lighting it. fires and stuff like that, you know, keeping and, the house warm. <laughs> um, and, and finally, because I know you're a big Monster Rugby fan, uh, what, what do you make of things at the moment? Yeah, I don't know. I think they need time to sort themselves out, you know. I think it's very difficult. I think when we have a... And I've all I felt that over the last few years as well. And look, I'm no expert, but I think it's very difficult when you have maybe so many members of the team going away on international duty and the and and then coming back into the squad and then you see the squad that had been playing and playing really good rugby and then not playing rugby anymore because other members are coming. Mm. I, I I'd say it must be I don't know. Look, I'm not a coach or I'm not a player. I'm only a punter who goes to matches and shouts from the sideline like you know but yeah, yeah. and love them with a passion but I'd say and when you don't have a huge squad I mean as, you know when you're up against you know people like the Leinsters of this world who have like you know I mean look there's one point something million people in Dublin alone so we'll take that from a picking point of view as opposed to where are we it, we have a bit of a job in our hands but I think look it's fine I think it's amazing players you know mm. and once again I suppose we are disrupted because the we have the new uh what you call a development squad now, and there's is there ten of our players gone from that? Yeah, and Emerge, I don't know. Would you be better Ireland. off developing playing with <laughs> Munster? It, it emerged so fast that none of us knew it was even happening. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, could they, not, could they not develop playing with us? You know. <laughs> but anyway, look, we hope we live in hope, and no, it's great, and the lads are good, and it'll all come good. I don't despair at all, you know. Right, good, and uh, because I'm, you're I'm still so proud of everything that Munster Rugby have done, God Almighty, sure. Yeah, it's been they've it's been, been good. phenomenal, like and still is. It's, it's a, been good. We've had that, and we've had the absolutely. And things, yeah. things could be worse. Absolutely, this absolutely. Worse. All right, well, listen, super to see you, John Kenny. Thanks, Joe. And we wish you well. It sounds like a fascinating project. Yeah. So people get in touch and put your hand up. And yeah. As John says, it could be rap. It could be anything. Poetry. Poetry. Could, yeah. 
voices and, and, and Brian outside in Lockhor, just email Lockhor. The website is there. Just send a message, you know, that you're interested and you'd like to be part of the project. And as I say, it's open to everyone. I mean, we just want to ho- document what's going on out there at the moment through our artists, through the art, like through music and, and the spoken word. Brilliant. Listen, more power to right. you. Thanks, John Kenny. Thanks, Joe. Thank you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash.